Well, hello there. Hello. I'm Kenna. I'm Koel. And welcome back to Diagnosing, Diagnosing a, killer. a Killer. Two weeks COVID edition. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a while. We, I think, probably took about two weeks off Mm -hmm. um, unintentionally the first week, and then the second week I got COVID, and so (laughs) we had to, I had to quarantine, and we were actually going to record the part two two days before I tested positive, and I'm glad we didn't because you merely escaped getting sick. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Just breathing into each other's mouths when we do this, so... Well, yeah, the Uh, whole household uh, isolated and quarantined. Yeah, and actually, I mean, I was the only one that got it. I think we did really well because no one else got COVID. Yeah. I mean, everyone else felt kind of crappy, but no one else actually tested positive, which is awesome. Yeah. So uh, it sucked for me, (laughs) but I'm (laughs) glad I could help. She's like, are you going to Walmart? Can you give me a puzzle? Dude, I did two (laughs) 1,000-piece puzzles in, like, three days by myself, and it was satisfying at the end but damn boring and i watched all like the first four seasons of supernatural they're like 30 episodes per season what i I mean there's like 16 seasons so but yeah anyways um hi we are back and thank you guys for waiting so patiently especially since we're in the middle of a two-parter and Mm -hmm. it's been like two weeks i know i feel like i've listened to the last episode like a hundred times right just to like fill some void yeah but you don't even know what's going on too i know you're just right there what's gonna happen what's gonna happen with the listeners you're right there you don't know so oh my gosh i'm excited before we begin i wanted to shout out a new patreon we got a new patreon her name is kaylee so thank you so much kaylee Kaylee, for donating and it's funny because she's probably like wow i donated to the patreon and then these bitches make me wait two weeks (laughs) to hear So I'm sorry about Just that. Just ran away with your money. <laughs> but it wasn't intentional. It was for the safety and health of everybody. And we are, mm-hmm. I am at least on the mend. I still have a little bit of a cough, a little bit of congestion. So if you hear that in my voice, I'm sorry, but I cannot help it. <laughs> Seems like I get sick all the time, right? Yeah, you're a sickly person. I am a sickly person. <laughs> my immune system is shot. So thanks, Kaylee. Yeah, it's super thanks, nice Kaylee. to have you. And we're definitely actually going to work on some merch. So we're going to be... Um, making some stickers. We're going to be making maybe some t-shirts. I do have a really cool Cricut and I have the t-shirt <laughs> press that I have yet to use. So mm-hmm. I'm really excited to get that going. Yeah, I'm excited for that too. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. So thanks again. And for those of you that are wondering, oh, you guys have a Patreon? I didn't know. It is patreon.com slash diagnosing a killer. Yeah. So if you'd like to donate, please feel free. All right. So we are going to pick up where we left off with Alexander Lewis Ranwell. Part two. I'm so excited. So if you haven't listened to part one, I highly recommend that you do so because there is a lot of information and there's a lot of uh, firsthand accounts from Alexander, but you will be able to kind of follow along in part two. I'll kind of, you know, give you some spark notes about what happened in part one. So when we last left off, we had realized that Alexander killed three men thinking that they were part of a pedophile ring. Right. Uh, That first man being Anthony Payne and the other two being twins, Dick and Roger Carter. Okay. He had killed three of them, and then he had spent the night at the Exeter Castle, and Mm -hmm. that was when he said that he saw the uh, bears, the ghosts of the bears that had been killed, and he had claimed that he had been bitten by a snake overnight. 
I do remember the snake. I don't remember the bears. So he had claimed that he was sleeping in a bear pit or that he could see the ghost of the bears that had been killed there in the past. Yeah, you're right. Um, And so the next time that someone encountered him, it was 5 a.m. And remember, that's where we stopped. I said, his violent streak had not ended. And you were like, what? And then I was like, and that's where we're going to (laughs) stop. So, picking up from there, Alexander had just spent the night at the Exeter Castle. It's now 5 a.m., like I said. He found himself at Rogemont Hotel in Teen Street around, again, 5 Mm a.m. This is where Stasi's Belavicius was on duty as an overnight receptionist of the hotel. Stasi's. I know. Stasi's is a really cool name. I'm going to say Stasi's because the last name is kind of hard to pronounce. So Mm -hmm. after approaching Stasi's, Alexander smashed a glass bowl over his head and as Stasi's tried to run away, (laughs) yeah, it's like a breakaway glass, but it was real glass. As Stasi's tried to run away, he was noted as being hit in the head with something sharp. That's what he realized was happening. Ugh. I guess, I don't know if he broke the glass and then used a piece of the glass to hit him, or hit him twice, or if he was just recounting. Either way, he cut him or stabbed yeah. him. Ugh. Yeah. Um, at this point, Alexander was noted as grabbing a butcher knife and attempting to continue this assault on and this Stasi's. Is, this is at a hotel? Yeah, so he's like an overnight receptionist of the hotel. This ho- You know, you have someone there Where 24 Where did he grab a knife from? No idea. I have no idea. It did not say. Okay. It, maybe he got it from one of the gentleman's houses that he had previously been at. That's true, because we did talk about the fact that he uses whatever he can find yeah. in the mm-hmm. moment. Um, so it was at this time that Stasi's rang the alarm, the silent alarm, to alert the police, which is, I mean, good on you. Yeah. you during, during that attack, imagine right? having that, you know, frame of mind that you can just, like, make that conscious decision. Conscious right. decision. There's actually CCTV footage from this night. That shows Alexander chasing the hotel chef and another receptionist, who was female, around the parking lot. That makes me think that he might have gotten the butcher knife from the kitchen because he had encountered the chef. Uh, Yeah. So during this time that he was chasing the chef and the receptionist, the female receptionist, he was holding a large lamp stand as a weapon... And he was smashing it into, like, surrounding cars at the same time he was chasing them with it. Whoa. It's kind of a, like, bizarre scene. Yeah. Uh, and imagine seeing that on CTTV and you're yeah. like, what the hell? Like, what is going on? So during this time that he was running around the parking lot chasing these two people, the police eventually arrived. Of course, uh, Stasi's had rang the alarm. Mm-hmm. And they ultimately had to taser Alexander to get him into custody. Okay. This would be the end of Alexander's violent streak. Okay. So he's done with his crimes. <sighs> I know. It was a lot. It's a little bit of a sigh of relief, though, because, yeah. like, you're like, okay, like, he's in custody, hopefully he won't hurt anybody else, but didn't they release him, like, yeah, a we'll, day before? We'll talk about oh, that again. Oh, my God. Following his arrest, he was taken to the Juniper Ward at Wanford Hospital, and during his stay in the Juniper Ward, police discovered the body of one Anthony Payne mm. in his own home. For, uh, for Anthony Payne's murder, arguably the most damning evidence was the CCTV footage that actually showed Alexander arriving at St. David's Station, the train station, on yeah. February 10th, that same morning. Which was near Anthony Payne's property? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the bodies of the twin men, Dick and Roger Carter, were found on February 12th, so two days later. Mm. And uh, Alexander was then arrested on suspicion while still in the Juniper Ward of the hospital. Okay. Now, his bail application hearing took place on February 18th, where it was noted that Alexander was wearing a gray jumper and was escorted by two police officers and two custody guards. So they had four people escort this man to his bail hearing. Okay. I don't know. I just think that's a little, like, much for four men. Like, I understand that this guy has been on suspicion of murder. He's clearly, you know, unpredictable, but he's not- He also chased people around a parking lot with a knife. 
I and guess a, I and guess a lamp. So. I think for more like for people, especially which seems like a really small community, I think it's more of like, oh, we have this under control. You know, yeah, like I suppose here, we're, this is an outward. This is a, a show of control. Like I said, like it's it's like. Oh, we've caught this bad guy. Yeah. He's no longer going to terrorize this town any longer. But it's you know? also like, you're doing that, like, as if he, like, escaped in the past. No, bitch, you let him go. You let him go. So he's yeah. not, like, some, like, mastermind that just knows how to escape it police sounds custody. Like, it like, sounds like a public relations thing. Yeah. It's like something where somebody's like, oh, no, like, we goofed. We let him out before. Yeah. We need to show that, like, we're taking this seriously. Yeah. Which is gross. So, it wasn't really noted what took place in the bail application hearing, but it seems as though he did not make bail. He wasn't able to. He wasn't able to afford it, so they kept him... He's a transient person, yeah. yeah. So, they kept him in the custody at the Juniper Ward in the psychiatric unit, mm-hmm. which is which is good. Now, his P... Lim- <sighs> P. His now his- preliminary. <laughs> preliminary. Preliminary. <laughs> his preliminary hearing took place on March 21st, so a month and some change later, and during this time, it was thought that there was no link to Anthony, Anthony Payne's murder and the murder of the twin brothers. So, not to Alexander, but together. They didn't think that he had been responsible for all three. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't no link between him and Anthony Payne, but it was Anthony Payne and the twins. They didn't think they were like, okay, these are two different scenarios, right? Well, like, yeah, one and is they're an, miles an, apart. Yeah, and not only that, but there's like one person in one house, there's two people in this one. Method so, of operation like, is different. It's different, yeah. Yeah. Um, now, following this hearing, it seems as though he was held at Broadmoor Secure Hospital. So this is a little bit of a different place, kind of similar to the Juniper Ward, but mm-hmm. I think that it was more of like hospital rather than prison mm-hmm. or jail. And this is where a consultant forensic psychologist, Paul McAllister, found Alexander to be sensitive, intelligent, and articulate when he was well. But when he was ill, he was living in a very frightening, dreamlike world. Mm. Seems pretty accurate, though, from what yeah. we've seen. That I mean, that is, like, nail on the head. Well, that's what we talked about, his compassion. Clearly, he's an animal lover, mm-hmm. you know? And he really, you know, in his mind, he thought he was helping people mm-hmm. and helping these young women. And, yeah. Yeah, it's oh, really it's sad. really a tragic, tragic story. But um, how, like, that can be amplified due to a mental disorder. Of course. Especially know? something like uh, schizophrenia spectrum. That's all... Auditory hallucinations is the most common noted... Symptom. Symptom of schizophrenia spectrum. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that's... He has experienced that, clearly. Audio mm-hmm. and... Audio, ugh, auditory and visual, mm-hmm. he's experiencing. Uh, later on, Alexander was noted as telling McAllister... Quote, I cannot believe no one helped me. They let me out twice when I was unwell. So he recognizes, like, yo, you shouldn't have let me go. Like, mm-hmm. I'm clearly unwell. But he also didn't have the mental capacity at the at the time to tell them that, yeah. you know? Like, what are you going to say? It's, like, It's so sad. Again, there has to be, like, there has to be... Somebody has to be responsible for the negligence. Of course. It has to be traced back to someone yeah, who is negligent. We'll we'll hear a lot of different differing opinions on how the police handled this situation Ooh, before. Okay. Um so Paul McAllister was later noted as saying in court about in 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 Alexander's defense, quote, he had the clear belief that the police were aware of and sanctioned his actions. He believed that the police were shortly to arrive to support him. So like he said earlier, Alexander when he got out to go to Anthony Payne's house, he was like, I thought the cops were, like, uh, right behind me. Yeah. And they were going to, like, come praise me him. for doing their or, due diligence yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Due diligence. 
So this is where we're going to get into the main trial. During the trial, the prosecution's main argument was that Alexander knew what he was doing was wrong at the time of the murders, so he should be punished for his known crimes. The defense argues that Alexander was indeed insane at the time of the crimes, and he was not aware that he was acting outside of the law since he thought he was working for the police. Right. Pretty cut and dry, you know, stances. Yeah. We've we kind of mm-hmm. know, heard that and kind of figured that one. I know you're so anti-defense attorneys, but like... No, Do you consider in that this to be a situation, yeah. I am totally pro-defense attorney yeah. because this guy, <laughs> this is a this is a specific instance, though. Like, yeah. defense attorneys that, like, dude, you know he fucking did it, and you yeah. still have to defend him. I know that's your job, but I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. I mean, and like how, and then they're so convincing sometimes, too. I'm like, dude! Well, there's, I mean, part of having your right to a fair trial is your defense attorney needs to believe you. Of and course. if you, as a defendant don't feel like you're support you're you're supported by your attorney you can you can call for a mistrial i know and or that you can call for another attorney that will believe you so if they don't believe i know quote end quote if they don't believe they're def- in their defendant then they don't get to participate in that trial that like makes me like boil because it's like, oh, yeah, let me just go kill all these people unknowingly and be like, well, you're not going to fucking defend me? Seriously? Like, you don't believe me? Like, you don't believe you. me. You no, have I don't to. believe you. Yeah. <laughs> like, you piece of shit. Not Alexander. I'm talking about a different No, no, yeah. No, different yeah. Scenario, but... <laughs> it's just interesting to me that that's, that's how our, our court system works. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So if you can't see where this is going, the defense is going full out with the insanity plea. Mm-hmm. Now, we've talked about the insanity plea a little bit in the past. I'm going to talk about it a little bit more, especially since this pertains to the UK and not the US. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit different than how we handle things here. So, the legal requirements for the insanity defense have varied over the centuries and societies in which it has existed, of course. Here in the US, public outrage in response to successful insanity defenses in high-profile cases has often led to charges that limit the availability of the defense and its likelihood of success. Like we said recently, it's very rare that it gets proposed, and it's more rare that it gets accepted, and mm-hmm. it wor- and it works, quote-unquote. Now, of course, this is not a United States case, like I said, but a, U- a UK case. So similarly to the US... Insanity in English law is a defense to criminal charges based on the idea that the defendant was unable to understand what he was doing or that he was unable to understand that what he was doing was wrong. Mm -hmm. Now, the defense actually comes in two forms. One, where the defendant claims he was insane at the time of the crime, and two, where the defendant asserts he is insane at the time of trial. So in the first situation, where the defendant was insane at the time of the crime... The defendant must show that he was either suffering from a disease which damaged the functioning of the mind and led to a defect of the reason that prevented him from understanding what he was doing, Mm -hmm. or that he could not tell that what he was doing was wrong. And in the second situation, the test is whether or not the defendant can differentiate between guilty and not guilty verdicts, instruct counsel, and recognize the charges he is facing, just kind of like what I said. Yeah. If successful, the defendant is likely to be detained under the Criminal Procedure Insanity Act of 1964, although judges have a wide discretion as to what to do. So the judges pretty much like the final say. This is super interesting to me, so I had to put it in here. So use of insanity as a concept dates from 1324. <laughs> this yeah. Is, this is the 1320s. But it is. <laughs> but it is. <laughs> And its criminal application was used until the late 16th century in an almost identical way. So the insanity in general was 
insanity as a concept, concept. in 1324. Yes. In criminal application, it was used until the late 16th century. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that wild? If I mean, sen- we've had brains for the entirety of our the human race's <laughs> existence, so Have it we? makes sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that but, this would be a concept that is old AF, you yeah. know? Well, like, it's funny because 1324 was when insanity became a concept, and in, like, 1980, people were like, go to the nut house, still. Yeah. You know I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> we didn't advance in one flow of the at all. <laughs> at all. We did like, not honestly, evolve. <laughs> how many centuries later? It's so true. Like, I feel like we're only getting to talk about mental health, like, as, as a country and a society, and, like, what? Yeah. Since 1320. I mean, even before then. Well, yeah, probably before then, they just didn't have a word for it. Yeah, exactly. Now, the defense, if successful in pleading insanity for the defendant, either allowed the defendant to return home or led him to being incarcerated until he was granted a royal pardon. Return home and, like, go sleep it off? Pretty much. If the insanity defense worked or it was, what is that? It was accepted. They would let them go home or they would let them, yeah, not guilty by reason of insanity Mm -hmm. initially or, yeah. Yeah. So that... But I mean, I I don't mean to make it sound like oh just go sleep it off, but it's like but That's I mean they pretty much they were found not guilty. Yeah, I mean you just live out the rest of your so life. So you at that either point. yeah it was one of two things: you either go home until you're no longer insane, or you go to prison until you're no longer insane and you get a royal pardon. Ugh. I know. Now after 1542, a defendant who became insane prior to the trial could not be tried for any crime up to and including high treason. So. After like you commit jeopardy. the crime, if you if you become insane, what a concept. If you become insane all of a sudden, in between you committing the crime and your trial, you can't be charged for anything. Well, because you don't understand what's going on. Yeah. Exactly. So that was after 1542. Now, during the 18th century, the test to determine insanity became extremely narrow, with defendants required to prove that they could not distinguish between good and evil and that they suffered from a mental disease which made them incapable of understanding the consequences of their actions. See, I find that to be bullshit, though, because I'm like, I call bullshit on that. I I want to say that they're they're now giving these regulations because too many people would abuse the system. Of course. But I also wholeheartedly believe that they realize that they're not making any fucking money. Yep. And that that's what pisses me off. Yeah. Like, because you, yourself, especially then, they probably didn't have that many tests. Yeah, you know, to determine not. whether or not people were, quote unquote, insane. Yeah. And so what I'm saying is, like, if too many people were getting off scot-free for murders or what, whatever you have, you know, assaults, then, you know, they have to, like, be like, oh, well, we're not making any money anyway. Yeah. So, like, yeah, we can't just, like, let people go. Because, yeah. well, and then, you know, also people that are abusing the system, which was probably a small percentage. I just, I, I hate that. I hate that. <laughs> Now, keep in mind, this is the 18th century, so this is when America is just becoming a country of its own. (laughs) So, like, all of this shit happened before we were even alive. The Boston Tea Party. Yeah, honestly. (laughs) Now... Yeah, when the forefathers came over, they were like, fuck that insanity shit, we're not doing any of that. (laughs) People gotta take responsibility for their actions. gonna murder people in the street. They automatically had a Boston accent. (laughs) Yeah, well, they're... I mean, that's... I mean, that's where they're all from. (laughs) Um, now, you might recognize this. The current- <laughs> Sorry, I, all I can think of now is George Washington with a Boston accent. 
Speaking of Boston accents, complete side note, shout out Elena from Morbid, she's never gonna listen to this, but I finally watched The Wizard of Oz for the very first time, and now I know what she's talking about, because she loves the Tin Man, and when she goes, no heart, he goes, yeah, no heart, no just heart. like that, I'm yeah, like, oh yeah. my god, I love that. <laughs> everything about that. If I only had a heart. Yeah, she was like obsessed yeah. with the Tin Man, and I'm like, no, I, I get it. I get Elena. They're all kind of Boston-y though, aren't they? All of them, yeah. Yeah. Except for... Oh, Dorothy. Oh, I Dor- hate that. Dor- Dorothy. Oh, that was good. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> All right, back to the case. <laughs> you might recognize this phrase or name. Now, the current wording for the insanity defeat comes from the Imnaten rules based on the trial of Daniel Imnaten in 1843. Mm-hmm. The defense of insanity has been subject to intense criticism, particularly from the Butler Committee, which noted that the rules were, quote, based on too limited a concept of the nat- nature of mental disorder. Highlighting too limited a concept. Okay. Yeah. Highlighting, quote, the outmoded language of the Imnaten rules, which gives rise to problems of interpretation. And that the rules were, quote, based on the now obsolete belief in the preeminent role of reason in controlling social behavior. The rules are not, therefore, a satisfactory test of criminal responsibility. So, I mean, all I hear when I hear that is, like, basically, like, how are you going to prove to me that you're not well? Literally. That's so gross. Literally, yeah. And if, if you can't, then, sorry. It's it's innocent until proven guilty. Like, yeah. why do I have to prove to you that I have a mental disorder? That I'm innocent. Especially if you're incapable of expressing that to exactly. someone. Like... Clearly, he was incapable of expressing it to the police that let him that let him go. That he was incapable of expressing that he needed to stay. That he needed to stay. He knew that he, and probably in his mind, that he needed to stay. But how yeah. do you explain that to someone? Like, yeah. unless you say things like Andre Thomas did, like I'm gonna hurt someone. Yeah, you know, exactly. like please, exactly. but that's please, yeah. I mean, that presents differently in everybody, right? And then people, some people might be like, well, if you feel like you're gonna hurt someone, what is it? Who was it? Alexander, that they were yeah. like, oh, if you feel like you're going to hurt someone or yourself, you need to go to the emergency room. Oh, no, that room. was Andre Thomas. Yeah. yeah. You need to go to the emergency room. Like, cool. Like, what? Thanks for that. <laughs> no. Appreciate it. <laughs> now, the committee proposed reform of the law in 1975, followed by a draft bill from the Law Commission in 1989. So far, these have both been ignored by successive governments. 1989. Mm-hmm. 1320, 1989. Still, like, well, I don't know. Are they insane? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You gotta prove it to me. Literally. You gotta prove it to me that you're like, insane. Honestly. Now, that's just a little bit of information about not only the insanity defense, but how it works in the United Kingdom. Just to put it into perspective on how unlikely it is that the insanity defense will quote-unquote work, regardless of the precise legal standard, the insanity defense is rarely raised and even more rarely successful, like I said earlier. This is the United States statistics because i couldn't find uk Mm -hmm. but it is used in only about one percent of cases in the united states and is successful less than 25 percent of the time Mm -hmm. in that one percent 25 percent of that one percent again i couldn't find a direct statistic for the united kingdom but i'm assuming it's about the same or even less than ours yeah uh now back to the case that was just a little bit of i think it's interesting yeah and especially since we're talking about it you you get to understand it a little bit more too you know which we, you know, we, which we kind of talk about sometimes in our cases, but to really go into the history of what it means to have that, you know, insanity yeah. defense, I think we've only talked about on mental breakdowns. Of course. Now, it was noted during the trial that the proposal of the insanity defense was so rare that they could not remember another instance in which it had been proposed before in the United Kingdom. Yeah. 
What? Like, they could not recall, like, oh, yeah, I remember so-and-so. And- oh, it was the case of 89. Yeah, whatever, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, now, so during- no one alive at that time yeah. <laughs> remembered. Yeah. yeah. Back in 1320. Right. <laughs> like, what are you doing here? You're clearly a vampire. You're clearly a vampire. (laughs) Now, during sentencing, Mrs. Justice May described the case as, quote, disturbing on so many levels, three dead, two injured at the hands of someone floridly psychotic at the time, and therefore not criminally responsible. Yeah, she does sound like she's like, damn. That sucks that he's not, like, (laughs) being able to be tried. Damn. Like, honestly. Gotta let another one go. She also said that she would be making a hospital order with restrictions to ensure Alexander, quote, won't be allowed into the community until agencies are absolutely content it is okay for him to be released. Yeah, no, I don't like this woman. Yeah. Sorry. So she's like, well, that sucks that we can't put you in prison forever, but we're just going to make sure that you're, like, kind of in prison forever until you're released. But you're in prison forever. Yeah. Yeah. The judge informed the court that prior to returning their verdicts, the jury had passed her a note raising concerns about the, quote, state of psychiatric services in Devon and the failings in healthcare in Alexander's case. The jury knows what the fuck is up. <laughs> They're like, yeah. uh, what about these dumbass coughs? I'll let him go. <laughs> the sliding of the note. Yeah. Um, here you go. Excuse me. Yeah. Excuse me. Um, what about this? So in a statement, the head of custody for G4S Health Services, John Allen, said the company, quote, stood by their decision that, quote, Alexander was not suicidal and did not meet the requirements of a full mental health act assessment in the out-of-hours period. Remember when they said it was due to the time frame that they couldn't get him a a consult? Apparently it was Sunday. And because it was Sunday, apparently mental health takes a break and people do not need assessments until (laughs) they're insane. Come back on Monday, 9 a.m. Like, honestly. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry, mental health assessments only required during business hours. Yeah, Monday exactly. through Friday. Yeah. Like, Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. You can't be insane yeah. on the weekends. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's just not possible. <laughs> Head of major crime at Devon and Cornwall Police, Detective Superintendent Mike West, said, quote, We fully accept our responsibilities to look after those detained in our custody units. However, it is unreasonable to suggest that police officers or staff in these circumstances, should have overridden decisions made by those who are trained, qualified, and skilled in healthcare. Oh, you mean the one person that spoke to Alexander on the phone for 12 minutes? Let's not override that at all, because you yeah. can't see what, like, you're seeing what they can't. Right. I feel like, even as a last resort, maybe they should have done something about it. Like, yeah. if they're like, okay, well, the mental health facility isn't going to take him, but he needs to be somewhere. Like, you can't just, like, yeah. They can't just put him back on the street. This is one of those cases where it's like, I'd rather you overreact than underreact, than underreact. and someone dies. Mm-hmm. Like, I would rather you be like, my bad. Like, I didn't mean to overstep. I thought that he was showing signs of this and that and the other. Yeah. Sorry, you know, release him. Then like, oh yeah, we released him and he killed three people because yeah. I didn't want to overstep. Right. Honestly. Yeah. No, it's because you're fucking lazy. Honestly. That's the way I feel. You didn't want to do the paperwork and you didn't want to have to deal with somebody of course. who was clearly having a mental episode. Yeah. The Devon and Cornwall police also responded to the accusations. Quote, Lewis Renwell was released on police bail so additional inquiries could be completed in order to refer the case back to CPS, the Crown Prosecution Prosecution Service. A decision to release the detainee on bail was not based solely on the classification of the offense, but alongside wider circumstances and information available. Quote, During his time in custody on February 8th and 9th, Lewis Ranwell had a number of interactions with medical professionals at the request of police, none of which resulted in a recommendation of a full mental health assessment. Because it was Sunday. 
That wasn't a quote. That's <laughs> just my because it was Sunday. Quote. On February 9th, the duty custody inspector noticed concerns of Lewis Renwell and an NHS, National Health Service, liaison and mental health practitioner were called. They conducted an assessment over the telephone and recommended he be seen by the emergency duty team. Over the telephone. Quote, the team requested a mental health professional to see Lewis Renwell, but was not available until the following day, so recommended that an alternative option was to wait for the forensic medical examiner to attend. A forensic hold, medical hold examiner him. is not the same thing as a mental health liaison. Or, hold on to him. Yes. He, nobody can see him until the next day. Hold on to him. Yes. Like, Literally, why? it's not any anything. Oh, oh you're having a schizophrenic episode, mate. Oh, yeah, all right. Just see you tomorrow. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> come on oh, back now. Go, come on back now. Pop in tomorrow. Pop 9 a.m. <laughs> Honestly, though, quote, the officers arranged for an assessment to be carried out by the forensic medical examiner, a qualified doctor. I doubt that. Quote, he observed no evidence of acute mental health issues warranting a hospital admission. Even though he's saying he needs help. And his mom is calling, and the gentleman from the ranch is calling, saying, he is dangerous. Like, I am worried for my safety, and I'm worried for his safety if you release him. Yeah. This is still a quote from the police department. Quote, a custody pre-release plan was drawn up, and on 10 February, Lewis Runwell was provided with paperwork to enable him access to the liaison and diversion services after his release. He doesn't understand what's happening. Like, so yeah, just give him some paperwork to fill out, and he'll figure it out from there. uh, Hallucinations, visual and audio hallucinations. The guy doesn't know what's going on. That's like, here's some paperwork for you to understand. Go to the ER. Go to the ER. Like, makes no sense. (sighs) This is still a quote. We could not have delayed his holding time any longer, as to have d- done such a thing would be unjustified and unnecessary based on the medical advice and custody time limits. Custody time limits? You can only hold someone for so long if they're insane. B- unless they... They can't even like, hold... Like, you're telling me that they're saying that they couldn't hold him overnight? Yeah. Bullshit. Literally. People that are, you know, on self-harm watch... They, they're usually required, at least in the U.S., I think it's 72 hours. And you're telling me that a healthcare professional, quote-unquote, or a doctor, quote-unquote, can't be there until the morning and you can't hold him that long? They didn't want to deal with him. Remember I said in part one that he had caused damage to the cell that he was being held in? Yeah. They are probably like, fuck this guy, he's destroying our shit, we don't want to keep him. That is so ignorant and negligent. It is. Now, by the end of the trial, the jury agreed the insanity defense could apply to Alexander. And he was found not guilty by reason of insanity for all three murders. I just got goosebumps. Oh, my God. Right? Well, I mean... But in this case, though, not to diminish what the victims went through, my heart absolutely goes out to them and their families. I truly believe that Alexander is a victim in this as well. I feel like if he had gotten help, he wouldn't have done that. If they didn't release him that night, this wouldn't have happened. I agree with that. Yeah. And he clearly was having, like like we said, hallucinations and was clearly dealing with that. Yeah. And the fact that these people literally just tried to brush him under a rug. Can yeah. you imagine how many times that happens on a daily basis? Oh, all the time. And all so these crimes sad. that could be prevented if someone would just fucking open their damn eyes and listen. Yeah. Now, following the trial, Mr. Payne's family said that they were, quote, still profoundly shocked and described the victims as, quote, gentle, kind, and caring gentlemen. Mm. The family of the Carter brothers said that they were, quote, quiet twins who loved the outdoors, wildlife, and bird watching, Mm. and, quote, were born, lived, and died at that house on Cowick Lane. Mm. 
Wow. Now, due to the decision of the jury and judge, Alexander is currently being held at Broadmoor Security Hospital until doctors decide it's safe to release him. They're finally giving him a mental health assessment. Oh, yeah. You just only, like, maimed two people and chased, terrorized other people and killed three people. Yeah. Oh, finally, we're going to pay attention. Mm Mm-hmm. Now that it's costing us money. Honestly. Not providing us money. The most recent thing that I saw that was posted about the case was in February of 2020, so about a year, two years. Shit. Mm. I keep thinking it's 2020 still. (laughs) Um, And it states that Alexander is still being held at this hospital. Mm. Uh, but that's that's the case of Alexander wow. Lewis Renwell, and it was a lot of information, but I think it was really important to add all of those direct quotes because it really shows not only Alex's basic understanding of what he's going through and yeah. his attempt to get himself help, but the negligence of the right. fucking police department that was like, well, sorry, it's, it's Sunday. Well, he clearly has a grasp on it. I'm sure those interviews happened after he got help yeah, and medication and, you know, had a routine. But um, he sounds like he knows exactly what he was experiencing. And again, when we talked about um, a better understanding of your own mental disorders, yeah. how, you know, your your life can improve because you know what the signs and symptoms are. Yeah. So, I mean, that's really fucking sad. It but is really sad. I, I mean, as for everyone involved, even the couple... Mr. Ellis and his wife. Oh, Mr. Ellis. Uh, we couldn't remember his name earlier. I was like, what is that guy's name? <laughs> Mr. Um, even Mr. Ellis and his wife. I mean, and the people from the hotel afterwards. They mm. weren't killed over the you know altercations, but they yeah. definitely felt the impact from his mental health. And God, it just breaks my heart because again, I truly, truly believe if the police had not released him that night, that would none of that would have happened, yeah. and he would have been able to get his mental health consult and assessment and been on medication. And it's, it reminds me of uh, Richard Chase. He was mm-hmm. on medication for paranoid schizophrenia, which was diagnosed back then. Mm-hmm. And it was working and he was doing great. And then his mom decided to wean him off of it and then right. downhill. Not to say that you can, can't can live with schizophrenia and not be on medication. Right. But in these specific cases, the medication was the key mm-hmm. and the assessments were the key. Yeah. And unfortunately they just slipped through the cracks it's it's incredible to me uh, all the places that alex ended up in and how many chances there were for somebody to say something or do something yeah instead of being probably judgmental and being like okay this guy's crazy or this guy's drunk or whatever honestly and again it goes back to that thing that we've said like when you see a transient person on the street that's talking to themselves or you know interacting kind of funnily or whatever it is our first reaction is like ew or yeah. gross or Honestly. like whatever and they're dealing with something and you they know and a lot of the a lot of people are just going to dismiss it or not want to be around it you know instead of really looking introspectively and being like okay that person probably deals with something yeah of course and yeah. that's like i try so hard to kind of use my compassion in those instances and my perspective like when i do see something like that you know if i'm with a friend that you know makes an off put com- off putting comment i'm like hey you know like that's that's uncalled for. Like right. you don't know what that person's experiencing. If anything, you don't know it, their story. If anything, it just breaks my heart now. Yeah, because I'm like, man, you know, if if the healthcare system, mental health care system, was a little bit better, that person might have somewhere to go. Exactly, exactly. I mean, that's like one of our main goals of doing this. You know, we've talked about it before, but like, it like normalized. <clears throat> Ooh, there's my COVID coming out. <laughs> <laughs> so normalized. <laughs> Damn it normalize talking about mental health and mental health, mental illness, not mm. mental health, like normalize talking about that. That is like, I was watching Dr. Phil yesterday with mom and dad and they say like, I knew this, but it's like, 
80 plus percent of Americans suffer from some sort of mental health mm. disorder, mental health issue. Like anxiety is the most prevalent mental health issue in America. Yeah. Everyone has that shit, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> and that's so different than, I mean, my anxiety makes me feel like I'm having symptoms of a heart attack. Yeah. Schizophrenia spectrum makes you feel like you are you have auditory hallucinations or visual hallucinations. It's not right. really far off from the, you know the side effects of yeah of for sure. I've definitely been trying to practice uh, eliminating eliminating certain anxieties from my life. Yeah, so I've been like becoming a little bit more of a recluse, but I kind of like it, dude. Same. I kind of love it. It's kind of nice to not have to deal with certain things. Yeah, you know, I know. what I mean. I'm like really freeing experience. It and really I feel is. like. The more that people not only, like, try to be kinder to each other and and really try to look through the perspective of another person. Yeah. I think that, like, I feel like I'm more acutely aware of, like, where other people might be at. Mm-hmm. And so, like, even yesterday I was texting a friend of mine and I, and, you know, that person's going through something or whatever, but I didn't ask them specifically what's going on or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was just like, you good? Like, yeah, you know, and, I'm, here and for you. Just, I'm here for you, you know, whatever, like you good. But I didn't specifically ask them about that yeah, thing hey, that talk might to me about it. Talk to me about this specific thing. Cause I know it's giving you anxiety. Yeah. I and like, it's going to trigger you. you <laughs> yeah, and up. I was like, I didn't want to upset them, but yeah. I was like, yo, you good? Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> so that was enough. And then they were like, I am like, thank you for asking. Or yeah. And that's, and, sometimes yeah. that's all it takes, honestly, right. just to, just to reach out. And even if you like, I think the best thing that I like to practice for myself is that if I know that someone's going through something like, per, like perfect example, two of my childhood friends lost one of their parents each this past week. Oh, wow. And I just reached out and I just said, thinking about you and your family, love you, but I wasn't expecting a response. Right. Sometimes all so all it takes is you to just reach out. And if you don't get a response back, don't take it personally. That person's going through something. Yeah. All you have to say is, you know what? I'm here for you. Love you. Yeah. Not even like, do you need to talk or, you know, what's going on? You know? Yeah. Hey, thinking about you. Love you. Right. That's yeah. it. And sometimes that's all it fucking takes. Yeah, honestly. I agree with that. I don't I, get offended if I don't get a response. Yeah, honestly. same. I mean, I, clearly you're like that person's going through something. Like, and it might busy. not be a death. It might be something different. But yeah. still, you know, it's you never know. That's the biggest thing. Um, that being said, normalize again. Normalize. <laughs> normalize doing something for yourself. I yes. challenge every single person that's listening. Do something for yourself that makes your life easier. Yeah. Do not use me as an example, but I quit my job recently because it was one of the biggest <laughs> stressors in my life. Seriously. And I've, honestly, with COVID, it kind of gave me a glimpse of what life is going to be like when I'm no longer working there because I'm still within my two weeks. Yeah. And it was amazing. I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, like I am so less stressed because I'm not Same. working there anymore. And yeah. I know that the end is near. Like I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And normalize doing something for yourself. It may not be quitting your job. It may be getting up in the morning and going for a walk or... Watching your favorite show when it comes on and not having I like to record to just, it and watch it later. I like to plug my phone in in another room and then leave it there. Yes. That's like one of my something. favorite things. And I'll turn my watch off and everything and I'll be like, oh. Bro, just like, I watch shaved my legs the other day for the first time <laughs> and like I don't have a lot of body hair so it doesn't grow very fast. But I shaved my legs for the first time in like two months and I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And yeah. it's just, it's, it's seriously, it's the little thing sometimes. Yeah. It really is. We kind of went off on a tangent, but we haven't seen you guys or talked to you guys. I know. Guys, it so it does feel good. Yeah. Everything. That being said, again, 
Um, we are going to post this one probably, hopefully by the end of the week, and we're going to get your mental breakdown recorded and posted, hopefully, but then we're going to be on another week hiatus because we're going to New, New York. York. So we may not have another episode after the mental breakdown yeah. for probably a week and a half, but we're going to give you a- advance this time. What if we record in New York? That would be cool. That would be really cool. I'm bringing a big suitcase. I could bring my stuff. Yeah, I'm bringing my, a big suitcase my check bag. Too. That might be kind of fun. We should record in New York. We can interview Stymax because he'll be with us. <gasps> oh my God. Let's record in New York. That sounds like fun. Okay. Well, we're going to record in New York. We just si- we like decided. A- we just decided. You yep. heard it now, folks. Maybe we'll do a New York case Ooh. since we're in New York. Oh. What if we do something Wait, in the building turn. that we're staying in? I'm just kidding. It's my turn too. <laughs> Look up something that happened right next to where we're staying and, and freak ourselves out. No. Empire State Building. It's going to be really cold. If you guys are in New York, don't, like, come hang out with us because COVID, but also, like, email us and let us know. And let if you have a case from New, New York, York, if you live there yeah. and you want us to talk about it, hell yeah, let us know. That would be fun. That would be fun. I'm so excited. I, I have never been anywhere farther north than Colorado. Yeah. This would be the I'm farthest north I've ever been. Well, no, I've been to Michigan. I've been to Ohio. Yeah. I've been to Maryland. Yeah. You've been to a bunch of places. But New York is a first for both of us. I know. And I'm so excited. I want to go to Maine. Dude, me, I've always wanted to go to Maine. I just want to, I want to see those giant jetty rocks that they have, like, right, or, like, you know, lighthouses mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I want to, like, Oh, my God, I didn't even think there. about the water in New York. You're going to have to bring your camera. Yeah, I'm down. Well, bring my phone camera. is just as good as my camera now, you know. Well, that's true, and you don't have to pack an extra bag. Yeah, that's true. Anyways, people don't care about our plans, like we said last time. People kind of <laughs> care about our plans. Okay, well, we're... God because, dang it. It's because we're famous. We are totally famous. <laughs> if you didn't see the news segment, go look it up. Do you hear my voice right now? I know. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Hi. It's all the, it's all the cream from the coffee. Dude, I had a large coffee. I think that's why I'm like talking 100 miles an hour. Yeah. By the way, um, I noticed when I listened back that I talk, I mean, I know I talk really fast, but I'm really trying to slow it down for you guys and really try to be in the moment. So if it sounds like I'm rushing through things, I'm really not. That's just how I talk. And I'm Same. sorry. If you can't keep up, please let me know and I will try my hardest to slow down in the next episodes. But I think I've been doing good the last couple of months. I think it's months. okay, yeah. yeah. I think halfway through the coffee kind of hits and then you're like, da 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 I mean, yeah. me too. I'm the same way. Well, especially when you go off script and you start talking, like not reading, it's like you can talk so much faster because you're thinking, you're not reading. Right. Like, your brain's just going a million <laughs> miles an hour. <laughs> oh, anyways, we love you guys. Love Thanks you guys. so much for being patient with us in yeah. the last week and a half. Um, we both, I mean, you didn't get COVID, but I did. So hopefully we won't get sick. Yeah, of I course. Didn't want to. But hopefully we'll, we'll be fine. That's what yeah. I'm saying. And uh, New York has the vaccine requirement and mask yes. requirement everywhere. So oh, I'm so in love that'll with be, that. That'll be good. In the meantime, you guys can follow us on Instagram at Diagnosing a Killer. We also have Twitter at Killer Diagnosis, uh, patreon.com slash Diagnosing a Killer. If you want to email us, it's Diagnosing a Killer at gmail.com. And we'll be making stickers pretty soon and yes. hopefully shirts. That'll be fun. Yeah. And in New York. I'm so excited. Nah, nah. Seriously, if you guys are in New York, hit us up and we'll shout you out in the next episode. Yeah. I don't know if I'm comfortable meeting up with people that I don't know. No. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> but Could you imagine we go to New York and we're famous? Oh my god, that'd be amazing. We'd they like, have us on the Times Square. Like, <laughs> I don't even know what we look like. <laughs> well, maybe if they saw the Instagram or something. I never look like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you saw us right now. I'm wearing my Grey's Anatomy sweatshirt so that Kamal got me for Christmas. It's so cute. <laughs> I'm wearing my RuPaul one that I got from Vegas. I love it. All right. We love you guys. Love you. Bye. Bye.